Good, John. Good, man. Ready uh, ready to turn the page from last week's letdown, and, and, and hopefully we can um, yeah, get back in the winning column. There's an opportunity to be had this week, so I'm pumped. Let's, uh, let's get going, buddy. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, like you said, I'm definitely ready to turn this page and not talk anymore about last week. So uh, I guess jumping right in here uh, to Tampa Bay, we, uh, we've got a, a matchup that uh, we can work a little bit with, I think. So uh, you want to jump a little bit into the Tampa Bay offense first? Yeah, so they're led um, – well, well, Tampa Bay in general started out hot. They were the darling of the NFL at 2-0. and uh, big wins over New Orleans in the Dome, and then they they hosted the Eagles and beat them. And then Monday Night Football lost that close game to Pittsburgh, blown out by the Bears, took a bye week, and then the Falcons beat them. So they're sitting at two and three. So uh, Dirk Cutter, I have a good friend of mine who's a Buccaneers fan, played college ball with him up here in Ohio. He's he's from Tampa area. Um, they're not all too thrilled about Dirk Cutter, their head coach. So uh, I do think this is going to be an important game for both. Dirk's future and Hugh Jackson's future. So this is obviously early in the year, only week seven, but it does present uh, a couple of coaches on the pseudo hot seat. Uh, maybe the warm seat is we're still early, but both of them need a win desperately. So that, that is a sort of subplot to pay attention to. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Hugh's feeling, a, a, I know that you and I are, on record as being sort of on the on the side of moving on from Hugh, but objectively speaking, from a a standpoint of of you know maybe this is a one year trial, they refresh button, whatever. Do you think this is a game he has to win? You know, uh, I, I don't know. You hear things uh, from so called insiders and and uh, and other people who actually are a little bit plugged in, um, and I've heard things from both of them. Uh, you know, I think he's dug himself a hole all by himself in this specific year. So, you know, if it was a uh, kind of a tryout, um, you know, I think he's hurt himself already. Uh, I've said it before. Uh, you know, I think that Hugh, for the first two years, despite the dearth of talent, which I recognize, I totally recognize that as a thing. Uh, and yet still, I feel like uh, he, you know, made the sum of the parts, you know, less than what we could have been. And, uh, you know, I think there's multiple places or, you know, sources that you can point to that agree with me in that. Uh, so I, I don't think it's looked good so far this year. I think he's made some mistakes that maybe he'd already like to have back, but uh, you're not going to get them. And, you know, we're going into this week and, you know, I'm not sure whether or not they've, you know, mentally already moved on. So, uh, you know, if, if he's still in play, then, then certainly this is the kind of week that, uh, they're looking for him to perform here. What do you think? Yeah, I I think that they need to win this one. They go, uh, to Pittsburgh the following week, a Pittsburgh team is playing much better than week one, host the AFC's top two teams in the chiefs, and then have Atlanta. Um, so here's where I'm at, John. I think if they lose this one and they could lose four in a row here and make it five in a row if you include the Chargers heading into the bye week, I think you smell what I'm stepping in. Um, they're, they're on the precipice. Uh, I, I think that if they were to run the gauntlet, um, say, I'm talking strictly hypotheticals, but they, they, they play Tampa – they don't lose or sorry, don't win this one. Pittsburgh blows them out. Kansas City makes it ugly at home, and then they lose another ugly one to Atlanta at home. 
You're coming out of the bye week at Cincinnati, which is tough. You go to Houston. Houston's very beatable, but that's at Houston. Never know. Carolina back at home, a good football team out to Denver, who is tough to beat at home no matter the circumstance. And then close at home in Cincinnati and at Baltimore. So there is not – I mean, this schedule is tough. I, I just uh, – I'm very interested to see how this Tampa Bay game goes because this could swing their season – one way or the other. Uh, it could certainly swing it in a good way that they can pull off an upset or two going into the bye week, or they could lose it in an ugly fashion, and then all of a sudden you're playing uphill against a bunch of teams that are better than you. So I think this game is more important than people want to talk about. So we will leave it at that, uh, and we'll talk more about Tampa. But that that's where I'm at with it. Uh, you know what? And uh, you make a very good point about, you know, kind of how the train is rolling and that's a excellent point that I think this is actually more important than than most people think because and as we get into it I think that we'll make these points you know through data and through what we've seen so far but uh, personally just on a general level I think there is an opportunity you know in a week like this against Tampa Bay to exhibit uh, good coaching and good schematics, despite you know where we've been so far, to uh, to be in this game and perhaps win it. And uh, so far, I don't think that they've exhibited that. And I know that goes way back. Well, let's just keep it in this year. Uh, they haven't exhibited those types of things. But I think there's opportunities within this game to exhibit, you know, that you are putting your players in the best positions that you can, and we can, you know, perhaps put ourselves in position to win this game. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to do it. I'm with you, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I was wrong about how they were prepared for last week. So I'm going to hold off on presuming one way or the other until I see it. I have questions about the effort, the way that locker room felt, the way they looked on film, all of it doesn't add up to me. I made those tweets. I'm not, I'm not going to push it any further than that. Uh, I just think that what was on film how quickly the players disappeared from the locker room. Some of Hugh's comments doesn't add up. Something's amiss. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, we will see how they perform in Tampa, and I think their performance, effort-wise, energy-wise, will tell uh, a lot about what's going on in that in the uh, Emberia. So, we'll leave it at that. So, yeah, man, let's not let's not uh, waste any more time talking about hypotheticals with coaches because we don't know. Uh, we'll we'll talk about Tampa. So. They, like I said earlier, they're in a certain peculiar situation uh, record-wise, which leads to their quarterback situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick started the first four games of the year, was playing some pretty impressive football. One of the better grade of PFF quarterbacks, they decided to move on with him, uh, sorry, from him after the late in the Chicago game, back to Jameis Winston, who is, I understand that move. It's a, it's a move to a guy they think is still, they spent the number one overall pick on him, obviously, as you know. I think they want to see what they have with him. There's been ups and downs with Jameis in his early parts of his career, still only 24 years old. They they need to really run out what he is and figure that out over the next two years. So um, he has thrown for 540 yards, five touchdowns, four interceptions in two games, only one started. So still turning the ball over way too much. Had two more picks against the Falcons last week, but he, he does make some big time throws too. So, he will start. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the Browns manage without EJ Gaines. Uh, what do you, What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? 
Well, I think you know as well as I that uh, we're entering this contest in a tough position. Uh, Tampa Bay's got a trio of very good receivers as well as a pair of good tight ends, uh, creating a very, very solid, if not spectacular, receiving core as a, a unit as a whole. And the Browns, uh, you know, we entered this season we didn't get the big fish in free agency, but we did get uh, a lot of mid-level fish, and we we're hoping that throwing some stuff to the wall was going to stick. I didn't think it was going to early on, but as the season rolled on, you know, Money Mitchell stepped up and was playing good ball. Uh, when he went down, uh, Gaines stepped up, and I thought he was playing some pretty good ball, and then we are unfortunate enough to have him go down. I think just about anybody in this league would be in – a rough position against this Tampa Bay team with two of their top three corners going down. Uh, now, I had heard a great idea, I thought, from you that hadn't occurred to me before, uh, but made a lot of sense. So I'll just lead you into that point. You had talked about Marius Randall possibly moving down. Do you want to talk about that as a possibility? Yeah, I thought I thought it might be an interesting plug-and-play situation because TJ Carey's obviously struggled this year on the outside, not just in games, but camp. Uh, we saw it too. So he hasn't been very good out there, but he's been relatively effective in the slot. So I thought it might be some sort of interesting idea to bump him uh, outside, let him play the natural outside corner he'd been playing in Green Bay. And then Brian Body Cahoon, that showed some really nice instincts at the free safety position. You could let him play free safety, and then that avoids the, 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 seems like what they're going to do is bump carry outside and let, Body Calhoun play the slot, which makes two positions of weakness now. I think you could probably offset that by leaving Body Calhoun at safety, bumping Randall to corner, keeping Carey inside. But you know, I I get it. I get both sides. You want you want Randall to stay where he's being really effective back at safety. I, I get it. I just kind of presented it as an alternate idea, something to consider. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. It, sound, it sounds like Hugh made it pretty known that they're going to just play body in the slot, and hopefully, you get the best out of him, and you get the best out of, um, you know, you get the best out of of carry out wide. But this is a bad receiver group and tight end group to to be throwing a makeshift secondary at because Mike Evans is really dangerous. The last time the Browns played him when he was a rookie in 2014, he hurt him for over 100 yards. He's obviously only better. They now have Deshaun Jackson, the burner, who can lift the lid off a of defense, has been doing so this year. And then their tight end group, uh, O.J. Howard, is really good. Uh, young tight end, very dynamic um, over the middle of the field. One of the best tight ends graded in PFF's database this year. And then Cameron Brait has shown some really special uh, red zone abilities as he's got some touchdown catches under his belt. I think Brait has, um, uh, has three touchdowns receiving, which is – one behind Chris Godwin, which I should mention Chris Godwin, their slot receiver is really good. Yeah, they're loaded. I mean, their skill position players are really good. Now, they don't run the ball very well. This kind of leads into our next segue, which is they are one of the worst running teams in the NFL. They've only rushed for one touchdown, which was by Ryan Fitzpatrick. He uh, he had a sneak uh, into the end zone, but otherwise their leading runner has 230 yards, 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, that's Peyton Barber and then Ronald Jones, their rookie has uh, rushed a little bit. Jaquiz Rogers, the, between the two of them, they only have 20 carries as the second second runner on the depth chart. So they, the Browns' biggest weakness is run defense. They can probably get away with having a poor run defense in this one and, and still uh, sort of focus on the back half of the secondary, uh, how they adjust to keeping this what is a ridiculous passing game in check in terms of weapons for a quarterback. So, 
yeah, man, that's that's where we're at. I'll, I'll talk stats too. 501 yards receiving for Deshaun Jackson on 21 catches, 484 for Mike Evans on 33 catches. So Deshaun Jackson's averaging 24 yards a catch, which is just stupid. He's got three touchdowns. Uh, Evans has three touchdowns, like I said, in 484. Chris Godwin has four touchdowns leading the team, uh, 241 or sorry, 249 and 21 catches. OJ Howard has. Uh, sorry, Godwin has 31 catches for 249. OJ Howard has 21 for 284, an 18.9 yards per reception number, a couple touchdowns, which is really good for a tight end to average 20, nearly 20 yards a catch. Um, and actually, I've been talking targets. I'm an idiot. So Howard has 15 catches on 21 targets. Godwin has 21 catches on 31 targets. Nonetheless, uh, Bray has only seven catches, but seven of those catches have gone for 78 yards and three touchdowns. So he's a red zone, uh, dangerous red zone element for for Tampa. So f- friggin' packed with weapons. Skill position players are very good. Um, what what do you think, man? I mean, just as a as their skill position as a whole, and it's got to be the best one we, we will see all year. I'd imagine. I mean, Kansas City's pretty good, but just skill position packaging is 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 pretty dynamic. Yeah, I definitely don't see uh, another receiving core that we're going to see as better than this one, uh, regardless. Uh, you know, they've been doing, you know, they've been doing a ton of damage. I wish you, Howard, uh, you know, it's got to be, you know, I don't have the exact PFF in front of me, but he's got to be one of the top three tight ends in this entire league. Uh, you know, they don't. They don't do a lot of great things on that offensive line, but they do get the ball out quick when they can. Um, from what I noticed, if I could just make a quick point here, um, yeah. as far as trying to attack them, um, it, I think it'd be foolish to think that we're going to cover this crowd as a whole. Uh, I think that uh, we're not going to have a ton of success covering them for, for too long as far as seconds after the snap. Um you know their offensive line is not terribly dominant. Uh, it's certainly pretty bad against the run, and they're not very good against uh, against the pass rush either. Although I will make the point that uh, their tight ends and, and running backs have blocked pretty well, which will help chip on the outside and, and make it a little tougher for our ends to get inside. Uh, I think our maybe best chance once again is with Larry Ogunjobi, uh, shortest pass to the quarterback, and uh, I think that's that might be something that we can do. Like what I thought when looking at this team, like looking at the last week and stuff like that, is that if we can find some way to make them uh, to make them hold the ball for three seconds or more, then then we got maybe a chance to get to Jameis and maybe force a, an errant throw or a, or a poor decision. But you know, if not, we're in trouble. I think. Yeah, they're going to have to find a way to get pressure. They start uh, up front. Their left tackles, Donovan Smith, left guard is uh, Ali Marpet, uh, Marpet, uh, centers Ryan Jensen, right guard. Their center-right guard combo is not very good. Caleb Benenko was replaced mid-game by Alex Kappa, the young rookie, uh, and Ryan Jensen's not grading out very well. So those are areas that, like you said, we can hopefully see um, uh, Larry Larry have a, or, or Teron Coley, too, have an impact. And then the right tackle, I think DeMar Dotson's a little beat up. He's grading out below a 60 this year. So, um, yeah, it's something they're certainly going to have to take advantage of. If you can any, any week, John, any week you can dominate up front and get pressure on the quarterback, slowing down that wide receiver tight end group. It's, 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 it's going to help you and and, and give you a good chance to win. So from the Browns defensive standpoint, they're going to have to 
They're not going to change, man. We know that about Greg Williams. He's going to run the same sort of cover stuff. I tweeted out earlier this week on the Browns film page. I will be very interested if they send Kirksey as a runner down the middle of the field in cover two the way they have um, with with Joe Schobert. So I don't know what they're – they could throw some new coverage wrinkles in. We're just going to have to see. They have options. They have the ability to do different things in coverage. Are they going to do that? Who knows? I, I don't I don't pretend to know because I'm really getting sick of thinking about ways the coaching staff could do things and they don't do things. So it's it, they'll probably play a lot of cover too. Yeah. Yeah, that no, you you're hundred percent capturing exactly what I'm feeling. Like, yes, like you and I we sit here and, and we think of good ways that maybe you can get creative offense, defense. Like can we uh you know, could Jamie maybe help cover some of these tight ends. Athletically, he's he's capable of it. Uh, you know, could Jabril Peppers maybe help cover the other tight end? Uh, you know, could we just get that early coverage to make uh, you know take that first second read away? I think it's possible, but uh, you know, we can think of all those. Just like you said, we can think of all the creative ways they can do things. Um, I keep just seeing them ignore what I think are good possibilities. And I think you do too. No, man, I, I, I really try. I try my best not to do the couch coach stuff. Like I, I, I don't know the guys, the way these coaches do. I don't know their abilities, the way they do. I'm, I'm making conjecture based on film, but it's also kind of, you know, it's like you know, some people might not like, um, this comment, but I don't think our president is very good at his job. There, there are people that are not very good at their job, and I think that sometimes it's okay to question them. And I think we're there. I think we are there in terms of what some people would like to see, but we're not seeing. I'll leave it at that, man. I hope they figure out a way to slow down Tampa. Um, it could be one of those contrarian games where all of a sudden the defenses are dominating the game. Who knows? Uh, but the odds are that you're taking the over on this game because Tampa's defense is not good, um, no. that you're taking the over and it's going to be something along the lines of a 41-34 or something like that. We'll, we'll just we'll just have to see. The NFL has this way of throwing weird outcomes at you every now and again, but there's no doubt that the offenses should have the advantage this week. So that segues nicely into Tampa's defense. So let's talk that. Um so they start uh, Vinny Curry at one of their ends and Jason Pierre-Paul at the other. Uh, Pierre-Paul is one of their highest-graded players defensively. I think he's leading the team in sacks. Um, yeah, he's he's their fifth-highest-graded player. Uh, Gerald McCoy, it seems, the one of their interior specialty players, uh, one of the best in the league, really is not going to play having calf issues. I would be very surprised if he plays. That helps us, obviously. He's a very good interior player, and we seem to be heading in the direction of Treader not playing this week. Um, their linebacker, Levante David, the Nebraska product, is their highest-graded pro football-focused player. He starts um, at, at, we, at will for them. Uh, good, good, Just a good football player. Covers a lot of ground. Very sound tackler. They start Quan Alexander in the middle. Uh, Mike Sam is run by Adarius Taylor. Uh, both of those guys are sort of graded. Quan Alexander is not graded very well this year. Darius Taylor, those two are 57 and 45.3. So can take advantage of a linebacker play with them. Um, they also start um, 
this week they'll start rookie Vita, uh, Vita Vea. Uh, the Washington product will start along the D line. He's back healthy. So um, names to pay attention to in the box there. They started corner Carlton Davis, the uh, Auburn product. A lot of us had interest in um, at, at, at this, this, this past draft. He starts opposite of Brent Grimes. Everything I gather is that Brent Grimes is just collecting paychecks. So uh, Brent Grimes is graded out at a 44.6. Carlton Davis is graded out at a 56.6. So Brown's poor receiving of late runs into Tampa Bay, poor cornerback play of late. And then they're starting uh, another rookie, Jordan Whitehead, the Pittsburgh product, and Justin Evans as the other safety, both of which are playing pretty well, actually. Justin uh, Evans is graded out of the 71.8, the third highest grade on the team, and then uh, defensively, and Jordan Whitehead is a 69.6. He's uh, played three games for him, and he's graded out as their fourth highest graded player. So... Uh, better safety play, but the cornerback play has apparently been pretty atrocious, and that's what my buddy confirmed with me too. So uh, statistically, their defense, uh, let's see here, uh, led by uh, Levante Davids, 40 tackles. Um, Quan Alexander has 37, 25 from Justin Evans, a safety. Pierre Paul has 20, uh, six TFLs for Pierre Paul, six TFLs for Alexander, five TFLs for Levante David, 10 quarterback hits by uh, Pierre Paul which is a high number, eight by Gerald McCoy. Luckily, like I said, he's not going to be a part of their plan. They do rotate in William Golston, the, the big old Michigan State product. Um, he he has a couple quarterback hits, two, five sacks on the year for Pierre Paul. Other than that, nobody has more than one and a half sacks, one and a half by Vinny Curry and Gerald McCoy. Uh, Quan Alexander has one as well. So I don't know, man. I, I, they're not. They're a 4-3 base. It's not a very formidable defense. They give up points. They're one of the league's worst yardage and points wise so um you know I, what, do you, what do you think well honestly jake uh you know and i i'm not one to underestimate my opponents uh you know where i can but i'm looking at a team that i don't think covers very well um i don't think they pass rush very well in fact i think they pass rush pretty poorly uh, i don't think they tackle abundantly well although uh the number of teams that do seem uh, to be at an all-time low this year. Uh, But, you know, just looking at the raw numbers in terms of pressures and those kind of things, you know, the the Browns, you know, I wouldn't say dwarf them, but by, you know, tens of percents uh, are creating more pressures and and those types of things. So I'm not seeing a lot to be totally scared of. Uh, Gerald McCoy and uh, actually Curry didn't practice the other day too. I'm not sure. Did you hear – that he was going to play for sure this week? I have not heard one way or the other, but him not playing would be uh, very, very beneficial. They're beat up up front, so I'm, I don't have an answer on that or not, and I haven't gathered anything from my buddy, so we're just going to have to kind well, of he see. Did not, he did not practice for sure uh, the other the other day, and between McCoy and Curry, you're talking about 35% of their pressures, which were – you know, on the league's low side to begin with. So, uh, you know, it'd be good in the case. I don't know that we're going to have to deal with replacing Treader at center or not yet, uh, but definitely a help to the Browns. Like I said, I just don't see a lot to be scared of. Uh, I, what I would say, you know, I'm sure you'll have more detailed comments, but what I would say is that this is really going to come down to execution. And, you know, can we can we get to a league regular or a career regular of drops from our wide receivers? Can we get guys to just do their jobs and catch the ball? Because I think if we just execute 
Uh, and I don't mean that in any kind of sense that we need to do more than what any of our players are capable of doing. We should be able to score on this defense. What do you think? There's, there's no excuse for not scoring this week, period. If they don't score, it's because they're not playing well. Uh, we'll have to look at what a game plan looks like here, but there, there are infinite ways to attack this defense. And I think that if they don't put up 30 points, I will be rather disappointed. I, I will put it that way because Tampa is going through a defensive coordinator change this week. They're going through issues up front uh, with injuries. They're getting poor, poor play at corner. So, you know, you hope that they don't figure it out all of a sudden this week. Yeah, that would really suck. So we're just gonna have to. Uh, we're just gonna have to see, man. It, it will be will be interesting. But there's no doubt that the Browns should be able to run the ball effectively, and they should be able to put up some passing numbers and more success than we've seen of late. I agree 100. percent I'm glad to hear you say that because we didn't uh, run through this entire thing before uh, we recorded. And generally speaking, uh, you are more conservative. I think. Uh, you know, because you understand, I think, a little more of what we don't know than I do. But uh, it's good to hear you even a little more uh, aggressive as far as what this offense would do this week. Yeah, no, the, I mean, they, they the guys say it every week, well, we just got to make plays when they're presented to us. And they do. They, they do. Yeah, it sucks that they're featuring Callaway as much as they're featuring him. And Ratley's got to figure out some things, too. And I don't just just figure it out, man. Like if you guys want to win games, then and be taken seriously. These are the types of things you're going to have to figure out, and and Baker has to play better too. He's he's certainly not above criticism for last week. So um, there are opportunities to be had. The Chargers were are much better defensively than this Tampa team is in terms of just technique and ability and all the above. So um, yeah, I, I, I by by any stretch, this is the bottom third defense in the NFL, and I will be very disappointed if the Browns don't find a way to put four touchdowns on the board. And I'll, I'll say one more thing too, and uh, you know uh, we're both Baker guys, uh, but I will say one thing is that you know uh, Duke has had more snaps of late, and I know that uh, Baker definitely has a uh, downfield mentality, which I think you want. You want to. Uh, and I think you'll agree. You want to have to rain down a uh, a rookie QB's um, aggression rather than try and make him more aggressive. I think that's harder to do as a coaching staff, or or you know, just try and get him into that mentality. Uh, I think getting Duke. I think you know some of the plays that they had last week and what Duke Duke was able to do. I think hopefully was just as instructive to Baker as it was to. Um, Haley, as far as what you can do, if you have your if if you have your man Duke in space, give him that ball because he can make plays. And I hope Baker like realized that too. Like that's a great outlet. I mean, lots of QBs have a have worse outlets than Duke Johnson. Uh, so I, I hope that he realizes he realizes that too and can uh, learn to go ahead and take that dump off rather than try some of these. Uh, very difficult throws, which oftentimes he puts it in that spot. But when you have uh, wide receivers that aren't performing as well, you know, go ahead, give that ball to Duke in space and, and let him make something happen. Yeah, I think you're right about that, John. I think that Baker comes from a college system where he took plenty of shots downfield with a lot of time in the pocket. And that's something that he's going to have to, he's going to have to keep adjusting to in the, um, in the NFL is, yeah, like you said, 
taking underneath easier options, check down options to tight ends, to Duke, like you said, when they're presented to him to kind of keep the team moving in forward progress. That's a, it's a complete sort of change of mind that he's just going to have to get a feel for. You know, he's he's going to throw the ball downfield, but he was a beat late a lot of times in, in that game against the Chargers because he just wanted to drive it downfield. And you don't have to do that all the time. I think you have to play smart, know where your dump-offs are, know where easy yards are, especially in the early downs to stay ahead of schedule. So that will be uh, that'll be a big part of things for him. Yeah, and you know uh, it's okay. You know there there was going to be that game. I don't think there's any reason to uh, you know bail on Baker's development. I think he still had that handful of of throws that uh, you want to see to know what he's doing is real. But uh, you know, jumping into some props for this week, uh, what do you have your eye on as far as those? Well, let's run through them. Um, run through them if we can, and then I'll pick I'll pick my four. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what I've got for this week is Deshaun Jackson over under 100 yards receiving. Uh, I've got Jameis Winston over under one and a half turnovers. Uh, I've got uh, Bucks tight ends over under 100 yards receiving. That tight ends statistic and prop will exist every week until the Browns learn to cover them a little bit better. Uh, the number of yardage will vary, but yes, we're looking at 100 yards with this talented group here. Um, uh, Tampa Bay over under 30 points. Uh, this is obviously a talented offense, so that's what that is. Uh, Tampa Bay over under three and a half sacks against this Browns group. Uh, Baker over under a 90 quarterback rating. Uh, Baker over under two turnovers. That will... That type of prop will exist until Baker starts to cut down on those a bit. Uh, Browns tight ends uh, over under 90 yards receiving. Uh, Browns over under two and a half turnovers as a team. Uh, Browns receivers over under four and a half drops. Again, something that I think is going to exist until we figure something out on that end or we drop back toward the mean, I guess. Uh, Duke under over uh, seven touches. Again, somebody that I want to see utilize more, and I hope that they do. Um, and I think it'll help us when we start getting the over there. Uh, Chubb, over under five carries. Same deal. So that's what we got for this week. What do you think, Jake? Hmm. All right, I'm just looking at them. I think that I'll go um, Browns under two and a half turnovers. Or is that Baker? I think it's Baker. Do you have them at two? Oh no! You have the, the you have the Browns under two and a half, and you have Baker himself over under two. I'm going to go Browns under two and a half. I'm going to go Bucks tight ends over a hundred yards receiving. <laughs> I'm going to go um, Duke over seven and a half touches. Uh, what else did I feel good about? Um, Chubb, I'm going to go under five carries because why not? And then, Oof. yeah, I don't see that changing with the way they structure this stuff. Um, and then, man, I'm really tempted to take that sack one. What's Jameis's lines? He, we have him just for turnovers. One and a half. Do you have any passing props? 
not beyond uh, either the Bucks tight ends over 100 yards total or Deshaun Jackson himself over 100. I think, no, just Jamie. Okay, I think Deshaun's going to go under 100. He's going to do like 95 type number. So I'm going to go him under 100. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little optimism style here. I'm going to go Winston over one and a half turnovers. I think that we can we can do that if we if we do some smart things defensively. Uh, I think Larry can can do something like that. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay. Oh, no, I can't. All right, I'm going to move on to the next one. I'm going to go Baker over a 90 uh, quarterback rating. Uh, I am going to go with the Browns receivers for the first time, I think, uh, since Baker's been their uh, starting quarterback. I'm going to go with under four and a half drops. I know I know that's risky. <laughs> I'm going to go You're brave. Duke. I know, I know. I, you know, there's some hope. And I know that plays into these, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Duke over seven seven touches, like you did. Mm-hmm. And gosh, uh, you know, I'm going to go. You know what? Since I since I'm already going positive, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay having less than three sacks, which is probably the most optimistic bet I can make on this Browns team. It's not a bad idea because the focus should be getting the ball out quicker, and uh, they're they're beat up up front. So um, yeah, not a, not a bad pick. I agree. All right. Uh, so that's what we're going to go with this week. Um, you uh, want to talk any predictions? You want to take a prediction? Yeah, I think it's going to be something like 31-28, something, like, something similar to what it was last week um, for, for Atlanta uh, to win. So, yeah, I think 31-28 is about where I feel comfortable at. What do you think? And who's winning this game? Oh, Cleveland. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to keep predicting um, – the, 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 like yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know. The the one time I picked them to uh, to, to lose, they got destroyed. So, you know. <laughs> I appreciate you recognizing that pattern there. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, you know what, uh, let's just stay optimistic here. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 34-31 Cleveland. Uh, a big scoring game. Um, I think that uh, – there's lots of – there's just so much room for a lot of offense. I think it would be an exciting game. I think Baker's going to come back with a vengeance. I'm, you know, one of the things that I loved about him as a college prospect was his mentality. I was – you know, lots of people were questioning mentality. I was betting on that mentality. So uh, I, like a, I like a comeback Baker quite a bit, and we'll see uh, if I'm wrong or right about that. Yeah, their backs are against the wall, man. It'll be fun to see. Like I said, there are implications in this one. I'll probably talk a little bit on Twitter about it tomorrow. Um, uh, you know, what will be today for you guys listening. But, yeah, there are implications for both head coaches here, and um, it'll be very interesting for the Browns. There's a lot of good storylines. Browns bouncing back off of a disappointing disappointing home effort. You know, Tampa Bay trying to avoid a – four-game losing streak here. So, yeah, man, good stuff. It'll be fun Sunday. Um, looks like most of Ohio will be able to see it. A little bit of the upper left-hand cart part of the state will catch Detroit. But, yeah, good game. Uh, good good, good to have a, you know, get that early 1 o'clock game down in some good weather. You know, maybe it'll turn our fortunes a bit. 
All right, Jake. Well, sounds good. I think uh, we're both uh, optimistic coming into this game, so I'm hoping for a positive Sunday show, as always. Uh, good to hear from you. I'm out of here. I'm out of uh, Vermont, uh, coming down from the mountains tomorrow. So I'm back in Cleveland Saturday. And, uh, you know, you can find me, uh, Jay Cosmo, at uh, at Jay Cosmo on Twitter. Uh, well, also have the uh, podcast with uh, Josh Finney over at the um, DVN Network. Um, Jake, tell them where to find you. Yeah, uh, at Jake underscore Burns18. Uh, it's my personal account, then Brownstone Breakdown at Browns Film BDN. That's where you can find a lot of the video analysis. Well, Jake, let's freaking do this thing. I want to have a positive one. I want you to get out of the way. I want Baker to, to jam with all this for Let's hope we have a good conversation Sunday, my man. And uh, as usual, go Browns. Go freaking Browns.